Welcome to Therapy is Dope with Alicia and Julie. Let's make self-help fun again. But no, seriously, laughter is the best medicine. Come and join us as we introduce new ways of thinking and being. And hopefully get you laughing along the way. Hello. We're back. We have a very interesting topic. Uh, and it, it has to do with our intro because we were just talking you know, uh, uh, before this off air and we're like, hey, our intro is so cute. And then I asked, hey, what does laughter really do? Then we both were like, I don't know. What do you mean laughter is the best medicine? So according to the Mayo Clinic, uh, stress, uh, re- stress relief from laughter, it's no joke. Technically, that's really the headline. Uh, so short-term benefits you can get is it stimulates your organs, it activates and relieves your stress response, it soothes tension, and your long-term effects, it improves your immune system, it relieves pain, increased personal satisfaction, and improves your mood. Hmm. I can understand it from the, the, the perspective of one of the meditation guru guys that I like Andy and I can't say his last name because it's super long but he's the one who developed the headspace app and I think he does collaborative work with Nike and some of the Nike playlists um, for uh, exercise but he explained that if you have a loose tooth and you focus on oh my gosh, this tooth really hurts. It's it's really moving a lot and you just keep messing with it, then you're going to make it worse. But if you choose not to focus on the pain of the tooth, then you don't notice it as much. So I could understand laughter being good medicine because it takes your focus off the pain of what you're going through and puts it on something different, which then helps relieve you of the stress of the healing process yeah and and it also talked about how laughter boosts the immune system which i was surprised when i read that i was like how does it do the immune system doesn't make sense but it actually decreases self stress hormones that your brain um your brain creates and then it increases the immune cells and infection fighting antibodies so i was like wow laughter does that that's great I was thinking the other day that I feel like laughter has gotten me through life. Uh, (laughs) And I thank my dad for that because he was just such a freaking goofball. And um, he was always making jokes and like hardly ever serious. So as a result, me and my sisters have a very good sense of humor and over time my mom actually got funny too my mom was never really funny when we were younger she mm-hmm. had like the dad humor like oh god <laughs> here goes mom with her jokes again you know um but i think that he like facilitated that i guess in our household and so you know even doing therapy i laugh almost every session i crack a joke almost Aww. every session because that's just a part of my personality at this point. <laughs> like, um, but I also think that it helps reduce tension and like 
awkward moments and you know make people more comfortable too yeah definitely and on here it triggers the release of endorphins on help dot uh, um so that's kind of cool and it burns calories you want to go to the gym or you just want to laugh for 10 minutes that is they say that's a great they, idea they said literally laughing for 10 to 15 minutes a day can pr- burn approximately 40 calories not bad not quite a whole meal but it'll take off yeah, a yeah, little yeah, something yeah. which they said could be enough to lose three to four pounds over a course of a year <laughs> I, remember, I don't think it replaces the gym <laughs> i remember a guy that i used to see he had a serious six-pack and i asked him like what kind of ab workouts do you do and he was like nothing i just laugh and i was like no what <laughs> Turned out he was on testosterone, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, testosterone, whatever, you know. Yeah. But apparently if you're on testosterone, all you have to do is laugh and you have abs. Nice. I shouldn't say that. Uh, That's going to like encourage, <laughs> encourage people. You're like, oh, that's all you do? Fantastic. Yeah. Um, this is very powerful i'm reading all these little things and it says you know we're social animals really really right so it's nice to when you laugh with somebody there really is a connection to that somebody yeah i mean those are my favorite people people who make me laugh i remember when i was in my 20s i used to work at a restaurant and um I was telling my boyfriend one day, like, we're so like, we're so lucky. We work with so many funny people. And he was like, no, you'll just laugh at anything. (laughs) (laughs) But I really thought like everybody we worked with was so funny. And I had so much fun at work. Like, I hate being a server. Absolutely hate it. But uh, the people that I worked with made it okay. Yeah, I'm a terrible waiter. I think I would be a terrible server because I have a bad memory so I'm sure that someone goes oh can I get more ketchup I'll be like oh okay I turn around and someone's be like oh can I get salt and I'm like oh okay and then I walk over and I'll be like someone asked for ketchup and salt or I'll probably forget the salt and I'll be like oh someone asked for ketchup then I'll come out then like 20 minutes later like oh we're still waiting for salt oh yeah <laughs> you'll you never get what you need yeah sorry um <laughs> uh, the worst part of being a server was just how t- like terribly rude people are like people are really condescending i don't know if you experienced that at work did, did does your staff ever complain that people are really condescending it's probably a little yeah different. sometimes but you're not with them for a long long period of time right so because we're yeah. we're a um a takeout restaurant right a takeout place so you're with them for like maybe five minutes so if they are condescending it's only five minutes of time yeah and yeah. i the closest I was to a server was I was a um I was a runner like a I guess a not not a food runner but you know soup plantation I think they're closed now but it's like a buffet style oh. place I would, I would seat everybody so I would host there you go I was a hostess I would seat everybody um and then as I'm walking around people would say oh can I get more napkins I go sure and I never get them napkins I forget <laughs> not that I purposely don't <laughs> so I was like yeah oh, gotta be terrible. So I never got promoted. <laughs> I wonder why. I never uh, got promoted. <laughs> so. 
That's funny. Yeah, I remember that. So that was the closest I was to the server. So I, I did feel like people are rude sometimes, but it's such a short period of time versus you are, are with them for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I did it for like five years. And at the end, I think I did cry once. I did. Really? Yeah. This guy was just like, so rude. We were a nicer restaurant and I was giving them pretty good service because I didn't have, it wasn't, it wasn't a busy day. It was a Sunday, I think. And, um, at the end he kept saying things to me, like, what are you a server from Applebee's? You know, like, why are you saying stuff like that to me? (laughs) And so at the end he wanted a port wine and I ordered it for him and I brought it over and he was like, um, I want the bottle. I want to watch you pour it. And I was like, I'm not the bartender and you didn't buy a bottle. You bought a drink, just one. And he was like, uh, then I want you to get the bottle and bring it over here. And he was being so rude to me that I just like walked away and went in the back and started crying. Cause I was like, I cannot make this man happy. And I don't even understand what he wants. Oh my God. How rude. Yeah. He was terrible. Um, that was not a moment of laughing. You're saying, mm, opposite. <laughs> yeah. But getting but back I'm sure, to the laughing thing. Yeah. I'm sure what it would have helped is if one of your coworkers came over there as you're crying, cracked a joke, you would have laughed and gone out of it. That like re- reduced your anxiety. Absolutely. That is entirely possible. Um, but the kind of restaurant it was, you weren't supposed to crack jokes at the table. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, I was actually told that I was too bubbly at one point. Really? Too bubbly? Yeah. And I, I actually, I that was an, to be like that. That was an interesting moment in my life because I realized after I got that feedback that if I was in a good mood and I had energy, it was really hard for me not to crack jokes and be bubbly. <laughs> But, oh, if yeah. I, but if I was really tired or I was in a bad mood or upset about something, then it was fine. I could be serious all night. No problem. So that was a interesting moment of awareness that I came to. Maybe you're like, um, maybe this job is not for me. They, it, it, I, I succeed when I'm in a bad mood. Yeah. Right. That's not cool. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, at that restaurant, people and their sense of humor definitely made the difference. Like, I don't think I would have lasted without it because it's not an easy job being a server. So I don't, I don't think I would have lasted. Um, And they say that comedy and tragedy are, are in the same category, essentially. Mm. And I, I, if it was you or somebody else who was talking about how comedians tend to like make fun of themselves a lot oh they're self- self-deprecating for sure I dated a comedian and yeah it was all about just joke it was jokes upon jokes but they're all like mean jokes you know yeah. not necessarily towards me but mostly towards himself yeah so I think that's a common trend as well that like uh there's like a depressed side of of comedy but it's just like the way that you're looking at it it's like wow isn't this weird how this is happening or it's almost like 
um, detaching yourself from the emotional tragic response and finding a way to look at it that makes you laugh so but also do you think that has something to do with not wanting to look at the situation and just maybe because it's too heavy so they kind of laugh through because I know that some people you know when they get nervous they laugh right so do you think that has a, that, that's a stress response to avoid what the real situation is? For sure. And that was a uh, shitty thing that I learned in graduate school. Um, that making jokes and being sarcastic does divert from the heaviness of an emotion. And so you're preventing yourself from experiencing the emotion by making it a joke. And, you know, with as with any coping skill, that's a good thing sometimes. And then sometimes it's not because sometimes we really do need to feel our emotions. So there is a bad side to laughing. <laughs> ah, there's a bad side to everything. I guess that's true. Yeah, I but remember overall. I remember we were learning about defense mechanisms when I was in graduate school which uh humor can be a defense mechanism by the way uh and we had like we thought we had like a list of good defense mechanisms and bad self-defense mechanisms i should say self-defense i just threw that in there um and my professor was like no there's no like good or bad like they just they're all just like coping mechanisms so that's just what they are oh there's no good or bad ones but what if what if it creates harm like okay you're coping you cope through drinking alcohol you cope through doing drugs isn't that a bad coping mechanism it's not bad unless you take it to an extreme then it's bad i mean doesn't everybody do that i mean i remember recognizing that at one point in my life too like why do people go to happy hour directly after work on a Friday? Right. right. <laughs> and they're drinking a lot. Then they have to drive home. Yeah. People are trying to let go of the stress of the week or the stress of the day or whatever. And so everybody who, in my opinion, I should say, anybody who uses any kind of drug or alcohol is using it as a coping skill it's just a matter of how much are you using it are you getting too carried away with it is it a problem is it causing problems in your life and if you continue using this is actually part of the definition for um, addiction if you continue using once it causes you a problem then you probably have a problem with it so for example, in 2020, I realized that alcohol was giving me really bad acid reflux and hurting my stomach. And if I would have kept drinking anyways and just been like, yeah, I throw up every day. That's just something that happens. That would be a sign of a significant problem. Uh. It's, and some people do that. Some people are like, yeah, I know alcohol makes me throw up, but whatever. I just deal with the throwing up every day mm-hmm. or whenever you drink. No, yeah. that would very much deter me from drinking. I'd be like, Ugh. every time I go 
I drink something, I go, oh, this is not going to work out. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I hate the feeling of feeling nauseous. I do not like that. So that was a big enough deterrent for me that I was like, oh, I'm good on drinking. Don't need to do that. Um, do you not drink anymore? I've seen you drink. Uh, well, I have gotten better. I mean, that was like three years ago. So I've gotten a lot better. And now I can have white wine. That's pretty much the only thing I can drink. Oh, really? Yeah. If I drink any liquor, I'm not going to feel well. And if I drink too much wine, I'm not going to feel good. So I taper. Immediately. Uh, it's not immediate anymore. It was. It was in the beginning. Like immediately I took one sip of alcohol and I just didn't feel good. But um, it's not like that anymore. No, that's good. Yeah. Progress. Um, Beer also makes you feel bad. Uh, honestly, I don't think I've really tried beer because I'm not as interested in beer, so it's not worth the risk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> mm, I'm good on that. Yeah, it's got to be. I what did I have? I had a. Oh, I think I had coquito. That has rum in it, and I was okay with that. Okay. It seemed like, but I didn't want to push it, so I didn't have too much of it. So mm. I think that's a key. But anyways, um. Yeah, as far as like the coping skills or the defense mechanisms, they can be, all of them can take away from us actually feeling our emotions. One of the biggest ones that uh, was tricky was intellectualizing. And that's like when you can talk about everything that's gone on with you, but you have no emotion related to it. So if somebody's like, oh yeah, you know, this is some way that I self-sabotage and they're just going on and on about it and talking about how it makes them feel terrible and whatever. And I know it does that to me, but you know, whatever. They're just talking about it and they're naming it and they're explaining it, but they're not feeling it. Right. So what that is that called? Intellectualizing. Okay. So it sounds to anybody listening like oh my gosh they have so much insight they're so smart they they really get what's going on with them but there's a difference between knowing and feeling it but it's not good when you're looking at a problem you have you know let's say i have i have an issue instead of going in super emotional it's better to like intellectualize it and say okay what are the pros and cons blah blah, blah. and you kind of go through a list and you're doing the, and you're talking about it as as you know even killed and objective as you can to make the right decision no well so like i was saying none of none of the defense mechanisms are all bad or all good because all of them can be good for us at different times and important for us even at different times like one that i can think of that would be labeled probably as bad is like losing your temper and screaming and throwing things right like that's that's frowned upon but sometimes we need to do that sometimes we need the release of anger and that's how we get it out so we can do it in a safe healthy way like you could go to a smash room and like break up a bunch of stuff or you can go out in the woods and just scream and chop up some wood or something you know like there's ways that we can do things that aren't gonna hurt anybody or hurt ourselves and it's still gonna help us 
experience uh, what we need to emotionally. Okay. Uh, take two steps back there and explain a smash room. That is so interesting. You literally go in a room that has a bunch of glassware and you smash everything? Yeah, the one here has um, electronics too. So like you can throw- What? Yeah. Like it's like a the way I imagine it is like a scene from the office, you know, when they're like right. smashing up the printer. But of course, back then, printers and copiers were so much bigger. Um, but yeah, they have electronics, they have glass. You wear like goggles and you wear like an apron or something, and you go in there and you just tear some shit up. How big is this room? I haven't actually been, uh, so I'm not sure, but. I've recommended it to a lot of people. That is awesome. We should do that. Please. I'm down. Let's do it. That seems fun. And very random. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. If it wasn't the day and age when people are focusing on mental health, it wouldn't work out. Like, in, imagine in the 60s, you know, we're telling our parents, hey, there's this, there's this room that you go in, you can break a bunch of plates. They'll be like, my heart my heart earned money i'm gonna go and break somebody else's place we're not doing that shit you know what i mean like it would, yeah it would not work in that generation yeah i'm curious how it works now like do they get donations from restaurants or do they like order it from china i don't know how does that work i'm sure they order a just a ton of the cheapest plates on there right they can't they can't they're not it's not fine china <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> Maybe you Oops. can bring your own. I don't know. Can I bring my mom's china? Oh, really oh, 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 shit out of that. Oh my god. <laughs> Smash house. Can I grab a couple of these things that I really hate? <laughs> oh, funny. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, all of them can be good or bad, and so. We just have to monitor ourselves, pay attention to ourselves, be aware of ourselves. And, you know, I know that when I have a client who's really funny, it definitely throws me off in therapy because I will accidentally get sucked into the humor and like forget <laughs> about the emotions. <laughs> like, oh no, you did it again. You got me with your sting humor. <laughs> Both of them are dying. Like, ah, going there, back, slapping your knee. And then at the end of the session, you know, that's a great session. You're like, what did we learn? Oh, shit. Did we learn today? <laughs> we made a lot of jokes. I can say that. Oh. It helped my heart rate. It helped my calorie count. I think my cortisol levels dropped. So I think I have a two pack after this session. Yeah, it really so. is important to laugh, and I think that's what I know. I love doing this podcast with you because we do laugh, even if it's a super heavy subject. There's always room to laugh somewhere. Else. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think uh, pretty much how I operate as a human. But humor might be like one of my better skills. Sebastian mm. and I debate all the time. You will appreciate this. Sebastian and I debate all the time who's funnier. And I am convinced that I'm funnier, but he's convinced that he's funnier. And last night, this is literally last night, I told him <laughs> he might get more laughs, but he also has more fails. Um, 
Dude, you've had more attempts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has more attempts in general. So he'd be, he'd be, he'd be shooting out a hundred jokes. He's getting, uh, he's probably getting 60 laughs, 40 laughs. What do you think? 70, 30, 70, 30, something like that, right? But overall, he has 70 laughs. Versus you, you're like, mm, I'm more of a, uh, I'm going to zone in. I'm going to have 10 jokes. But all 10 <laughs> jokes are going to kill. People are going to cry. And you're like, this person's the funniest person ever. How do you quantify that? Yes, exactly. I don't know. I think the tears, though. That's a good way to quantify. That's a win for sure. <laughs> I, you know what's so funny about laughter too? So I've been like trying to look up laughter, how to explain it to like our viewers and everything. What? How do you explain laughing, right? So I looked it up and the definition of laughing is the action or sound of laughing. They're using the word to describe the word. <laughs> That's fast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's so helpful. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's funny too, the different types of humor that exists out here. There's like dry humor, sexual innuendo humor. Just, I think my favorite humor is the people who notice the most random things and like make them funny. <laughs> like describe like a celebrity that might that that you just enjoy the humor like oh that guy's so fun he kills me every time i was just watching nate oh shit i don't know how to say oh his Bar last name. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's something that like yeah hilarious he's so funny but and he just like notices the dumbest stuff and ellen degeneres was the same way like she would just point out the dumbest shit that was like hilarious so I think I appreciate that the most. Oh, and Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld's like the top comedian of all time or whatever. And he he's just like noticing hilarious things that happen in life. That was very good. He's my favorite. Oh, and um uh C S uh, Segura. Oh Tom. Tom Segura. Tom? Yeah, hilarious. I think when someone can make something like just bring up the random things and make it humorous, like it's, it's killer. Yeah. And a lot of comedians, if you think about it, they're just talking about their own lives. They're talking about their childhood. They're talking about their dating history. Yeah. They're talking about like things that they've actually experienced or noticed or, or been through. Yeah. And the power of just laughter. I remember watching david uh, jerry seinfeld a long time ago he had some kind of before like netflix before all that right and i remember just watching him on tv or something randomly and he was uh saying a joke about he's like oh i hate when i go to the supermarket and i, and I don't take inventory of what i have right so he's like how much milk do i have and he's like oh should i get milk and you have to deal with the consequences of having too much milk which I not get milk and deal with the content of not having milk. So he was describing how he had too much, like in case he has too much milk, he calls the neighborhood cats over. He pours the milk out, come here. And then he just, he just he's picturing himself here going, hey, Kenny, where are you going? There's still milk in the pan. And he's literally, you know, like carrying this imaginary cat over and I'm dying. And it's like, oh man, this, if your life is this funny all the time or just the stupidest thing, 
It's great. Honestly, like, how can you have a problem when you're laughing that much? I mean, well, that's an interesting question because a lot of comedians struggle with mental health issues. Oh, sure. That's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, what's his name? Robin Williams committed suicide. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, Twitch was on Ellen DeGeneres, so he was probably oh, yeah. laughing daily. So I think, you know, that that just goes to show that, like, it's a great medicine, but does it cure your problems? I don't necessarily mm. think so. And that's where probably, like, feeling your feelings and dealing with things and getting mm. support is important. I was talking to mm. a friend the other day, and she was like, you know, I've always wanted to go to therapy, which I love it when people say stuff like that to me, by the way, especially my friends. I've always wanted to go to therapy. And then she goes, but do I really want to deal with all those feelings? Ah, I'd just rather not. <laughs> it like, is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I get it. That's fine. Do you? Especially the first session. Have you noticed that your first sessions with like a new client, they're, where they're like, when you admit like, man, I need therapy. It's, you're really in, a, in the bottom of pits at some point, right? There's like a lot of ongoing, overwhelming issues and situations and emotions that you're dealing with simultaneously to a point where you're like, I need help. Um, then after you go through the help and you understand, oh, you know, like therapy is not just when you need help. It's just an, a, a place, a safe place for you to, you know, feel then therapy gets very acceptable. I think it's acceptable when it comes to, to the larger general uh, public, right? And and that's what I, I kind of want therapy to be. You know, yeah. I don't want them to, I don't want them to, to see it as a bandage to a solution, I mean, to a wound. And once you heal from the wound, you don't need it anymore. Yeah. I feel like I was the thinking about that. Thing. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day because I think it was like Woody Allen or something who was in therapy forever and people were like judging him like, oh, how how could you be in therapy for 20 years or 30 years or whatever it was? I don't remember exactly. And uh, I think it's an individual's choice. Like if you feel like you're therapied out, like you did enough work on this thing, then you take a break maybe or maybe you don't go back, whatever. Um, but for me, I think my favorite thing about therapy is just processing my life because some people are really good at internally processing things and they can really like come to some really good conclusions all by themselves. But for me, I usually feel better, like saying things out loud to someone else. Like that makes me feel better and helps me understand what's going on with myself. Even if that some other person doesn't respond. No, I think I like oh, okay. the response. I think. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I think I need some kind of something. But I mean, I guess if a person doesn't respond, then isn't that similar to journaling? And we've already talked about how journaling can be useful. And I think yeah. it is useful to me. So maybe in some cases they wouldn't need to respond. Like I just need to get this out kind of thing. Mm hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it depends on how overwhelmed I am. If I'm super overwhelmed, then don't say anything because I don't need to hear solutions right now. Like, I just need to tell you, like, I fucking feel like this. I can't stand it. I don't want to cry. And I want to, you know, I want to do all that simultaneously. I just want to, I just feel, and a lot of times recently, I've just been overworked a lot. So I feel, I'm, I'm feeling like two emotions are battling each other. One is, I'm so fucking tired and overwhelmed. I just want to cry. And then the other side that's battling is like, I'm so proud of myself. I can't believe I'm doing this. I got that shit. I'm a badass bitch. You know what I mean? So it's really hard because some days I go, oh, I don't want to cry, but I'm a badass bitch. <laughs> so yeah. Like, you know, skits over here. No, it's not schizo. It's actually a, a weird phenomenon that occurs in human beings where we can have multiple emotions, even opposing emotions at the same time. And it's beautiful and wonderful and messy. And do you think that's what people feel when they're feeling chronically depressed and they're comedians? They're feeling the laughter because they understand how, how jokes work, right? They're like, oh, okay, I know the structure of a joke. I know that this is gonna hit. I know this is really funny, and it actually makes them laugh too. But in, but in, what they're, but the emotional battling is really like, I feel so sad about my life. I just fell or whatever, right? Yeah, I think I don't know actually what to make of that because I assume that being funny is a coping skill that, that helps people deal with the fact that they're depressed. So mm. it's like a, well, I think I saw this TikTok the other day. You know, I like TikTok. Mm. And mm. this girl was talking about masking, but she was talking about masking in the sense of like, autistic people have to pretend to be not neurodivergent when they're in the general population and so they call that masking and they say that it's very exhausting for autistic people to have to try to fit in essentially with the regular population when they don't operate that way. Hmm. Um, and from the mental health perspective or my mental health perspective, I think that we mask all the time. Like when you go into work, you probably aren't crying and telling everybody how overwhelmed you are because that would be socially unacceptable and it would not make <laughs> you look like a good leader. Oh, so you yeah. have to mask when you go into work and you have to say, isn't today such a great day, guys? Are you so ready? <laughs> Just kidding. I know you don't talk like that. <laughs> but, you know, you have to put on your work face, essentially. So... so for ahead, comedians, go, go. Okay. I assume that that's like, that's their work face. <laughs> oh. So if we have to do this because it's part of life, which I accept, how, where's the boundary when it becomes unhealthy and that you're using the coping mechanism too far, mm. too much? Um, I think, again, that's an it goes back to the individual and them noticing if it's creating a problem. Like, mm. hmm, I'm never really feeling my emotions because all I'm doing is making jokes or I'm never really getting my anger out because I'm always pretending like I'm not mad. So, and it, it can even, you know, it's wild. 
you probably won't think it's wild, but I think it's wild that our bodies start to tell us sometimes, like maybe we get headaches or maybe our stomach starts to get upset or maybe we lose our appetite or maybe we can't sleep at night because we're too wound up or whatever. And so sometimes that's our first alert, like, hmm, something's off with my body. Maybe I'm not doing something that I should be, or maybe I'm doing something Mm. I shouldn't. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. I think that our bodies alert us a lot of times. Like, um, I had this client who was being cheated on and she all of a sudden like got jealous of this girl that her husband worked with. And she was like, I never get jealous. And, and she thought like the way she made that make sense was like, man, my insecurities must be really bad. I should really work on myself. So she comes into session, like, I got to work on myself because for whatever reason, I'm feeling really jealous and I'm not sleeping well and I'm not feeling good in general. And I was like, I wonder if your body's trying to alert you of something. And it months later, we found out he was cheating on her with that girl. Oh, and she, I think her body knew. And I think her body was trying to tell her. We're just not very good at listening to our bodies. And I, you're absolutely right. hundred percent because there are so many times when I'm in a relationship and I just, and sometimes, you know, like he'll walk in a room and I'm like, oh, you scared me. But it's like, I, like my body's kind of like, ah, he doesn't belong here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, or that you just can't sleep when you're next to him or you're, I don't know, like you're just, you're just like your heart beats so fast or you're just nervous all the time, whatever. And you're like, I don't feel safe. Yes. Know? And you tr- keep on the relationship because you go, because I know for me, I had a rigid definition of like, failure so I was like I don't want to be in another failed relationship so I keep trying or I go maybe it's my fault that this relationship is not working so let me try harder but in reality or like maybe he'll change oh my god famous last words right and and thank god I finally am in a relationship where I'm really happy I'm super secure and I'm just super relaxed and I don't worry about things that's in between me and him. Like, of course, there are situations that affect our relationship. That's like, oh God, this sucks. But um, we're always we've always been a team. And that comfort in a relationship, I'm like, oh my God, this feels great. Yeah, but your oh, body funny. is just your body is telling you that you're very comfortable and it's safe, like you said. Uh, and I've had scenarios where clients would get like chronic utis with their boyfriends and i'm like i think your body's saying not this dick i think that's not this (laughs) i I, yeah i had a friend that she would chronically get um uh like yeah a different types of infections too and stuff like that and when then she found out that he i don't know how he found out but he had hpv uh, so she, her body was rejecting his penis and they've been together for like years so then after they broke up and um she started dating somebody else and she just never had vaginal issues yeah I'm it's sorry. wild yeah i i mean 
you know, I'm not saying every time you get a UTI, it's because you shouldn't be with that person or something. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, I do think our bodies tell us things and we don't give our bodies enough credit. And it's, I think it's because the, all the areas of the body don't have a language center. Only our brain has a language center. So our body has to communicate with us a different way. And we don't understand that language. And so I think it's very important for all of us to get to know our bodies, which is one of the things that meditation and yoga do. Like part of meditation and yoga is paying attention to your body. Is there any area that you have tension? Is there any area that you have pain? How are you feeling when you're in this position? How are you, can you focus on your breath? Like, you know, things that we don't normally attend to because normally we just Mm. breathe. That's what we do. Yeah, without realizing if this is a shallow breath, if it's a deep breath, if it's a, you know, hurried breath, whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, or even Mm -hmm. a sigh, like, one of my clients was telling me, actually two of my clients have told me that their significant other sighs a lot and it really drives them crazy. Like what, why are you sighing? <laughs> like that? <laughs> yeah. So they probably aren't even paying attention to the fact that they're probably not breathing well for whatever reason, whether it's that they're stressed or whatever. And so it turns into a sigh for them. Yeah. Yeah. But it happens so frequently that their partner notices and they don't. Oh, and they're not aware of it. And so I've dated somebody that that got out of a relationship and didn't even realize how their old relationship had them um, just on pins and needles a lot. Mm-hmm. And he didn't realize it until we would we would be dating, we'd go on a date or whatever, stuff like that. We'll go to dinner and we'll go back and he'll be like, Oh, that, that did you did you care about what I said? Care about what? And let's say the waiter was flirting with him or something, right? Or he thought the waiter, or he could have, because he was in a, such a, a, a jealous relationship before, and so he was trying to like not talk to the waitress or something like that, right? Then when we got back, he was just like, "Oh, did, that was okay with you?" And I was like, "What was okay with me?" You know, like <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And then another time when this girl came up to me, was like, oh my God, hey, hugged him and kissed him on the cheek. And then he introduced me and whatever, right? And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And he was like sweating. Like, are you? I was like, is it hot in here? Are, you're sweating right now. And he's like, I, he's like, I just, I know I shouldn't have done that. I should have like told her, like, I should have pushed my face away or should have done that. I was like, push your face away from what? Like, what are you talking about? Oh, he's like, it didn't bother you that she like hugged me and kissed me. I was like, you guys known each other for 20 years. What are you talking about? You know, like if I ran into any of my guy friends that I haven't seen in like years and I known him in high school or so, I'll be like, holy shit. What if you be like that? Like, oh, what are you doing? You know, like, wow, he's crazy. You look exactly the same or whatever, right? I probably wouldn't so. kiss him unless they were Spanish. Oh yeah. I know I, the I, Spanishes yeah. love to kiss. So I like to kiss them, but I wouldn't just kiss a white person. A white person would be like, what the fuck? Why are you Unless you were la- Latina or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, I wouldn't kiss somebody because I don't yeah, I wouldn't do that. Unless the person you know how like they, they would move would lean in and then yeah. I would kiss the person because I'm like, Oh, okay. If they're like 
French or Latin. Yeah, you know, if, Latin it's, or if it's uh, culturally acceptable, I'm going for the kiss. For yeah. sure. <laughs> oh, open mouth, Alicia. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. We're gonna re- we're gonna record just that excerpt, and then we're gonna play it to Sebastian. <laughs> oh, if if I, he's going for a kiss, I'm going in for that. Kiss. I'm going in. <laughs> <laughs> he he probably would too. Oh, he is Latino. <laughs> so yeah, he'd be all about the kiss. He kisses everybody. He's like, mom, hi, hi, yeah. mama. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a kisser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so fun. But uh yeah, going back to laughing, I do I I actually do think that you know the dark side of laughing, quote unquote, right? But I think that's not very common. I don't think you should be like, oh, I don't want to laugh that much because I don't want to seem like I'm, I'm uh, like, you know, I don't want to have a um, bad coping mechanism, right? A coping habit. I don't think you should worry about that. If you're laughing most of the time, who cares? <laughs> I no? think you just need to pay attention to yourself. I think that's really what it boils down to. Like, like for example, I was in a group uh, at school once and I said something sad and then I made a joke and my professor was like oh I noticed that you're making a joke about something that's sad that's incongruent that was what that was what his words were and I was like the fuck so I went home and I was like dad can you believe that my professor said blah 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 to me and I said yeah apparently laughing's a problem now and uh he was like, oh, that's ridiculous, you know, of course, because he's the clown in my house, or he was. So, uh, but then, I don't know, it was like a year later, I had the same professor, and we were in another group setting, and I was talking about something sad, and this time I didn't make a joke, and he was like, I've noticed you've grown. No, I, I actually was like, I think he was right. Like, I I was trying to mask my pain originally by making a joke. And um, I had learned that that's not always the best way to go. And so I was trying to be more congruent with my emotions. You and actually were aware of that. I don't remember if I was like consciously doing that at that time but that was something that I had learned you know throughout my course of school so and you know like I said I pretty much laugh every single session I make a joke I laugh um, a lot so I'm not saying don't laugh I'm saying pay attention to yourself if the subject is sad then you know maybe allow yourself to be sad or Like you were saying, that guy who was really self-deprecating, a lot of my clients do that and they think it's so funny. And I'm like, no, you are not going to talk about yourself like that in here. And when you go, oh, okay, okay, okay. No (laughs) laughing. Not in that way. You can make jokes and I'm all about it, but I'm not laughing at you saying something nasty about yourself. No way. Dude, when you said something sad and you followed it with a joke, did you joke about yourself? I don't know if you remember. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I was talking about my parents moving and I was really sad that they were moving. And I don't even remember what the joke was that I made. 
So it might've been about me. It might've been about me. It was probably about me. I was probably like, yeah, even though I'm an adult, <laughs> you know, I don't oh, know. Yeah. But it wasn't, you weren't mean to yourself. Uh, you could say that that's kind of mean, like criticizing yourself for wanting your parents to be around. Like, I wouldn't be around me either. You know, I feel uh, like that's kind of mean. But being yeah. like, well, I am an adult. I do have to grow up. Fine. Go ahead. Move. Yeah. You know, that's not as mean. I feel like. It's like yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's varying degrees for sure. Yes. Yeah. So I, but I think that's probably the best way to think about it. Look for patterns in your life. And say, how often do I say something mean about myself? Like it, it, or maybe I just ask yourself, was that mean to myself? Would my best friend say, make that same joke? Yeah. That's a good question. Oh my God, I should write that down. (laughs) Yeah. Would my best friend say, say that same joke? And if she did, Okay, but or how if I have a have a toxic best friend? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much to analyze in this situation. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I do think that we can overanalyze. Obviously, I mean, we can really just go way too far and really get in the way of ourselves enjoying life. And I think that's what you're talking about. Like, don't get in the way of yourself enjoying life, but just like be aware, just pay attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so everyone has permission to laugh, but only at me and Julie. <laughs> I like it. Tune in next time for some more laughs, guys. <laughs> we look forward to seeing you.